identify the virus behind a pneumonia outbreak in the central city of Wuhan. At least 59 people are believed to have been sickened by the new virus. New type of coronavirus. The number of affected countries has tripled. The World Health Organization has just declared that this is a pandemic. The National Coronavirus Command Council has decided to enforce a nationwide lockdown. It's Monday night, and about an hour ago, we witnessed our president make an incredible, incredible announcement, one that has dramatic and drastic effects. But we trust, and I do believe, it is the best decision for our nation at this time. 2020 was a year like no other. Economy struggled, security disappeared, and churches closed their doors around the world. But even though we as the church couldn't meet in person, that didn't stop God from meeting us. 2020 was the first time that Life Changes went completely online. We went from five in-person meetings on a Sunday to nobody in the parking lot, nobody in our buildings. The buildings may have been empty, but God's church is still on the move. This year, we've reached further than ever before. We preached the gospel to 46 countries and over 54,000 people across the globe. Even though the world was locked down, people's hearts are still open to the grace and love of Jesus, and we saw over 100 salvations in the first two months alone. More than ever, the church is the hope of the world, and people are being added to our story, raised up, and strengthened in Christ. We love doing life together, and even though we couldn't meet as we normally would, more than 320 people meet in life groups every week. We are also passionate about seeing people walk in freedom and wholeness in Jesus Christ. 289 people joined our recovery groups where people found life and freedom from addiction within community. Not only do we believe that we should meet as a gathering of believers, but we also believe that we are called for mission and to release wide for God's kingdom. We saw a need and during lockdown level 5, we are on the move and pioneered the West Coast COVID Relief Fund. Through faith, we gave more than 550,000 Rand towards food for people in need and collected more than 31 tons of food. Not only did we help those in life changes in our broader community, but we spent almost 600,000 Rand beyond our borders. We were able to help churches and families in need and advance God's kingdom. Thanks to God's provision and our generous Life Changes community, we gave more than 1,100,000 Rand for the advancement of the gospel. 
midst of a global pandemic, we are still a people who are called to reach far, raise up, and to release wide for God's kingdom. We are the church. We are the people of God, the disciples of Jesus. We are the continuation of the book of Acts. We have the same spirit and we are not backing down, never settling down. We are flipping the script. The vision of Life Changes Church, for me, when you, some of you don't know, but we actually joined Life Changes in lockdown online from Cambodia. Um, and one of the reasons was the vision of this church. Um, simply stated, it's God's story. He's reached us. We were far. He's raised us up. And our story of being released to Cambodia happened because we were reached and because we were raised up. So I want to do, spend some time today and just, I found this in Ephesians 2, which Ephesians, I'll be honest, is probably my favorite book in the Bible. Because it's a book about a good church, a solid church, and that's, that's what we aspire to as church leaders. We look at the book of Ephesians and we say, Lord, do some of that stuff in our lives. So I want to just, I'm not going to read a lot out of Ephesians 2, but just if we look at the vision, the reach far, I mean, you can take time and read through Ephesians 2, read through the whole book if you want, but um, the reach far is really clear in the beginning where it's, we were dead in our trespasses. And he made us alive. And um, I do also want to push you to some of the online content with this. I think Mark did an amazing job when he spoke about to reach to the end. When he spoke out of John 4, the woman at the well, was, she was reached. And interestingly, interestingly enough, that in that moment when she was reached, she was also released. Right, so and I just think that might be something about Natalie. I, it's not in my notes, but there's some of you here that are you're being reached, you're in the process of coming to God. Don't expect years till your release. Okay, so yeah, so we have been reached. The second part of our vision is raise up. This, I mean, Mark mentioned it. This is the nitty gritty. This is the hard work. This is the discipleship. This is where I've spent most of my time with people. My, my dad, I'm very fortunate that I grew up in a family, you know, I, I used to pick chewing gum from underneath the pews as a baby. Um, I'll give you the whole story. But um, I grew up in a church, and my dad was very missional from a very young age. I can remember my dad taking me on a mission trip. I've got photos of it. I'm going to spare you. Um, when I was 10 in Swaziland, handing out food parcels. So I have that privilege of being raised up, but sadly, or actually, this year, I got to, I got to say goodbye, goodbye to my dad in December. My dad died, and uh, a fantastic, actually a fantastic life, and interestingly enough, the story of legacy in his life was from the raise up, not the release wise. The people that he raised up in ministry have gone much further than what he could have done. And that's Jesus' story. Jesus raised up 12, and they took over the world. So this is where the, the raise up, that's, that's where the, the real hard work is done. And I love this verse. It says, and he raised us up with him and seated us, seated us with him 
in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I hope this speaks to your identity as well. Because it's also our place, where we are, who we are, whose we are. And later I'm going to talk to you about the why. Why we are. Well, let's actually go there. I release wide. Now, if you're taking notes, the title of my sermon is Release Who You Are. I'm going to talk a lot about you are. So obviously this is identity. But it's the release who you are. I think the purpose of Christ was obviously he came to reveal the Father. But he also came to release us to the world. So I'm going to just read. Um, I think it's up there as well. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that anyone may boast. For we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Here it is. For good works. Please notice the order. Not a result of works, but for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand. This is our why. This is the reason why we live. If anybody asks, what's the purpose of life? There we go. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For good works. Now, I do understand this um, might sound a little philosophical, philosophical. So let me just pray as well. And I've already been prayed for, but good for me to settle my spirit. But God, I thank you for this opportunity. Holy Spirit, would you just settle on us now? Come and make your truth evident to us of what you are calling us to. A purpose-filled life. Thank you, Lord God, that you reached us, that you are raising us up, and then you're going to release us on the earth. Amen. All right, so the wise, we've got a purpose, right? God has given us his rescued us, he's raising us up, but he's also giving us a person, stuff that we need to do, not to obtain a salvation, but because we are saved, right? That's um, Thomas Watson, an old Puritan, said, the works we do are what come after we've been saved. It's not what goes before. We need to keep the, the horse and the cart in the right order. I wanted to look at Matthew 5 as to uh, an explanation of what it looks like. We know why, for purpose. But what does it look like? What, does it, what do these works look like? And uh, the first, I'm going to read it. It's Matthew 5. And we'll look in different chunks, but from verse 13 to 16. And remember I said the title is You Are. So the first you are is you are salt. And this is in verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt lose, lost its taste... How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So we are salt. That's the reality of who we are in Christ. I want, I want to just look at some of the, the attributes or the properties of salt. And I'm going to call some people out in our community because I've seen this as an encouragement. These are some examples. So salt, first, the first property I want to mention, the salt adds flavor. We know this, Right? Britt Anderson, I'm going to isolate you on this one. Red frogs. For some of you don't know the red frogs, basically they go and set, set themselves up at rages, at these like drunken debauch parties, and have a safe place where people can go, and if they need help because they're wasted or whatever, they go to the red frogs. And that's manned by these spiritual believers that now come and bring, bring salt, bring flavor, bring true flavor 
to those people in their desperate situations. Brit, kudos. But also what you're doing at Sankov. I don't know where Brit is. You are. Hi, Brit. Um, I got a day wave there, yeah. Um, it's birds, right? But not only, it's people. And she's made such an impact with those people that she's already getting more and more responsibility. So kudos, Britt, this is you. You are salt, you add flavor. Second thing is salt also enhances flavor. So it's what's there, but it brings it out, right? And I'm going to isolate Clint, my mate, in this one. Didn't warn you, but anyway. Um, I've had quite a few conversations with Clint, and he's dropped these things into, it's certainly not something he's bragging about. He drops into conversations, oh, I prayed for this one at work today. I pulled some destiny out of this one at work today. Brew in the workplace, your salt. Salt also disinfects. It brings truth. Simone, I don't know where you are, but the work that you do, you're bringing to truth. You, you are unlocking things for fathers. You disinfect. Salt also preserves. Now, my beautiful wife's not with me tonight because her parents messed up their plane ride. They were supposed to be here tonight, but that didn't happen. So she's at the airport picking them up now. But for some of you that don't know, she's, she's involved with an international school in Cape Town, and one of her biggest fights over the last three months is to preserve the moral beachhead that that school has secured. She's preserving it. She's fighting. And that's been tears, and it's been us prayer walking. It's been us really working into that space. But there, there is a war on at the moment for the lives of our children. Right? And she is preserving that. There are many others. I mean, I could talk about, Rian, the work that you do, preserving forests, but you're also working with people, preserving their interests, preserving their passion for nature. These are all great examples, right? Now, one of the properties of salt, you may or may not have heard this, but uh, one of my farming friends in Cambodia told me the story. We all know this, the old adage, you can take a horse to the water, but you can't make a drink. Apparently, farmers give their animals salt to make them drink. So my question to you is, what are we doing to make others thirst? Now, the ultimate example, really, is Jesus. Think about Jesus, how he added flavor to Peter. How he took Mary from this hidden, broken person, and he honored her. That's a recovery program right there, right? Jesus disinfected the man of demons. I want to actually read this one, if that's all right. Mark 5. If you do have a Bible or a phone or whatever you want to use, just turn there with me. I just think it's... I won't read the whole thing, but it's for those of you that know, it's a story of pigs. Right? It's not the Bay of Pigs, but anyway, almost. Um, I'll just read from verse 1. It says, they came, this is Mark chapter 5, they came to the other side of the lake, to the country of the, that place, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Now, if you haven't heard this before already, your ears are probably perking up. Who lives in tombs, Right? He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Now, I'm going to, I'll just stop there. This guy was full of demons. They called it legion, a legion of demons. And if you skip down, 
to verse 15. This is, this is an amazing thing. It says, and when they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, that's how he's known. That was his identity, right? They saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion. He was sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. No one could bind this guy, but Jesus just comes and disinfects him. John 10, probably one of my favorite scriptures in the Gospels, is where Jesus says, you have given them into my hand. This is how he preserves us. But you've also placed them in the Father's hand. That's our double security. How well does that preserve us and preserve our faith? My encouragement to you today, release wide, be salt. You are salt. All right, the second thing, go back in, going back to Matthew 5, is you are light. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But understand, it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are light. Again, I'm going to do the same pattern. Properties of light. It brings and allows revelation. Two people I want to bring out. Savannah. Savannah Snow, some of you don't know. And Kirsten Billington, I don't know if you're here. But both of these, there are many teachers in the room. All right? But if you're a teacher, you bring light to those lives. You reveal the Father. You reveal truth. Yes, you're stopping fights. Yes, you're meeting with parents that don't understand half of what's going on. But you're revealing God to them. Light brings clarity. Now I have to call on Bjorn here. Any of you who have sat with Bjorn, he's a great refiner. Um, if you have an idea, he will tell you how it doesn't work. But that's what engineers do. They go about that way to tell you how it won't work so that you can find the ways that do work. Um, thanks, Bjorn. Light also, it's, you can think about the light to the path, but also the light to the room. And I think two people I want to call, they're not here, but I think you probably know them. They call out destiny and they call out pur purpose in people constantly, and that's Jerry and Josh. The work that they do with, with the youth is incredible. My daughter is so inspired to be involved with that. I know that because she's like, she can't wait to be a youth on a Friday, to be at Vox. So kudos to them. They light the path and they light the room. Light displaces darkness. I think recovery, our recovery story that we heard today is an example of that. But again, I'm going to go to Jesus. We think about light revealing, Jesus came as the exact representation of the Father. He came to reveal the Father to us. He also brought such clarity. We don't have time to read it, but in Mark 12, he says, I give you a new commandment. He simplified, he took the law, he fulfilled the law, and then he, he clarified, love your father, love your neighbor. Such clarity. He lit the path. He said, I'm the way. He lights the room. He's our Emmanuel. God with us. And also, he displaces darkness. I mean, 
He won, right? He won. On the cross, the curtain was torn. I'm not going to preach about that. I would love to, but not tonight. All right. So now, salt and light are both in the context of Matthew 5, in the time, salt and the light that they had was from oil, right? So these are actually both, they were both commodities. They were both items of great cost and value. So we have lights that, you know, LEDs and it cost us almost nothing to run, but it's not the truth of the day. Lamp, there's a whole parable about lamps and trimming lamps and all that. We're not going to get into that. But so my third point tonight really is spend wisely. Your light and your salt are not free. You have, you have your four and 20. How many years have you got? That's your salt and light. You have to spend them wisely. Earlier this week, I'm going to hone in on Stuart for a bit. He's the sound guy. Awesome sound guy, by the way. But um, I phoned him on, I think it was Wednesday, because uh, um, I needed a sound guy. And he was already down to do table view this morning. So I was like, bro, I hate to do this to you, but can you do a double header on Sunday? And he just said, yes, where can I serve? And I was like, that's great. But I didn't know the backstory. So I had, uh, we, we grabbed the lunch on Thursday. I was kind of like, thanks, bro. And, um, bro, I need some water. He told me the backstory. Just before I phoned, thank you, Jesus. Just before I phoned, him and his sister had asked that question. How much can we serve? How far can we go for the kingdom? And then I phoned, like, can you do another? Can you do a double? Sure. Right, so how much, how much can we serve? How far can we go? And I want to look at Luke 18 for this. If you have a Bible, turn there. Now, just a, a bit of context. Luke 18, um, halfway through the chapter, is the story of the young ruler. And the young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? What must I do to, right? And Jesus says the commandments. We'll get there. Uh, Jesus says the commandments. He says, yes, done. All of them, without exception. And then Jesus goes after his heart. Now, this is not about money. This is about heart, right? Because he went away sad. So we know where his treasure was. Right? If you don't know the story, Jesus says to him, take everything you have. He was a ruler. He had lots. Take everything you have, sell it, give it to the poor, and follow me. The emphasis was follow, not sell, right? That's what Jesus was calling him into. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, further in the story, Peter says to, to Jesus, we've left it all to follow you. Right? This is a continuation of that story. We left it all to follow you. And Jesus says this to him. Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come. Some translations, some verses say a hundred times. I don't have to be an economics professor to tell you that this is a good deal. Right? <laughs> the simple cost-benefit analysis, and this is what I say, spend wisely. I can testify to 20 years in Asia, B 
being a good investment. But there's a cost. I lost 20 years with my dad. My dad and I were best mates. I lost 20 years with my dad. I lost 20 years with my mates. I lost 20 years surfing Cork Bay. That was one of my highlights when I lived in Cape Town. Cork Bay and off the wall in Seapoint. Two favorite places. Those were, my, those were my temples. But God called me and released me wide. To talk hours for my, for my story, but I won't. There's another time for that. Let's go to John 12. All we have is seed. This morning Mark did a great example and a great il- illustration. I don't have it with me now, but there's seeds. Those are our years. Those are our days. If you could picture it, forgive me not having it. My time in Cambodia was a small cup. Seed in, seed in, seed in. 14 years in Cambodia, five years in Taiwan. That's my story. The result of that is that now we have 12 leaders in Cambodia, just 12. It's not a big story, but it's a legacy story because what they're doing is they're raising up others. Jesus had 12. God told me to raise up 12, so that's what I did. You see, the years sold and the years cost a lot. But let me ask you this, and I want you to think about it. What are your criteria for significance? We all want significance. What does that look like? I hope it's not a Volvo, because I have one. It's, it's all right. Sorry, Nath. But seriously, we need to think, what are our criteria for significance? I don't think we are sold a story by marketing. We are sold a story of what that looks like. But when I looked at my dad's life, and he, he had 79. And when I sat with people, they said, your dad talked me through my divorce. Your dad talked me through the pain in my life. Your, your dad taught me in ministry. Now I have 3,500 people in my church, but it's because of your dad. So there's, there's legacy. How do you define significance? Second question. How do you gain true influence? I'm going to go back to Stu's question. How far should we go for the kingdom? We really need to release wide. John 12 told you we'd go there. How wide, let me ask you this, how wide did Jesus release? How much did he give? It says this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You cannot hold back. I don't know how to urge you in stronger terms, but I've done this. I, 
I laid down what I had to go to Cambodia. And I'll be honest, it's a sucky place. There's nothing lacquer about the city I lived in. But I do it again because I can see the legacy that was bought with that investment. It is a good return for investment when you lay your life down. It's got to be more than, okay, I'm going to go to life group this week. I don't know about next week. We've got to have more of a story than, okay, I'm going to serve once every three weeks. Because, I mean, okay, we go to work. Yes, we work. I worked the whole time I was in Cambodia. I had a full-time job. Two. Because one was the church. I was the only dealer for nine of those years. The reason I want to urge you strongly is because I know what it looks like. Make your life count. Teach us to number our days. In other words, make your days count. The only way that you can make your days count, look at Jesus. What did he do? How did he release what? He released us. Can we pray? But God, I pray that you would give us courage. It's the courage you gave to Abraham to climb the hill. It's the courage that you gave to your son to go to the cross. Lord, we need that courage to really die to ourselves so that we can live for something that really counts. But God, I I pray, would you speak to our spirit? Speak to my spirit. Do it again. Release wide again. We are the release wide in the life changer story. In Isaiah, there's that famous, he says, here I am, send me. Who can go? Here I am, send me. Thank you, Lord. I just want to make something clear. Can you just look at me for a second? There's a lot of romantic notion about planting churches in foreign countries. It takes as much conviction and as much faith to open a life group in Camps Bay. Because there needs to be a life group in Camps Bay. Right? That's a calling. And I think God's calling people to stuff like that, but they're waiting for the Cambodian story. Right? There, there's a mission field here. And that's those examples I gave you, that's some of that. But we need to release why. These are your days. Live them. <laughs>